Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I am so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact, their inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Brian Byro. Brian is America's breakthrough coach. He's delivered over 1,600 presentations around the world over the last 24 years. A major client described Brian best when he said, Brian Byro has the energy of a 10-year-old, the enthusiasm of a 20-year-old, and the wisdom of a 75-year-old. I love that. Um, (laughs) A former vice president of a major transportation corporation and the author of 11 books, including the bestseller Beyond Success, Brian was rated number one from over 40 speakers at four consecutive Inc. Magazine international conferences. In his first career, Brian built one of the most successful competitive swimming programs in the country and received the United States Swimming Coach Excellence Award. 44 of his swimmers earned full college scholarships. With degrees from Stanford University and UCLA, Brian has appeared on Good Morning America, CNN, Fox, and as a featured speaker at the Disney Institute in Orlando. Brian was recently named one of the top 100 most inspirational graduates of the UCLA Graduate School of Business in honor of their 75th anniversary. He was also honored as one of the top 65 motivational speakers in the world. So welcome, Brian. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you, Ursula. It's a joy to be with you. It's uh, I have so much admiration for the work you're doing. It's exciting to have this opportunity. Well, thank you. I'm uh, I'm really excited about the work that you do. Is what is it that drew you to this work? I know you you started off with a, as a swimming coach. You then moved into uh, working for a transportation company as a VP. What led you to motivational speaking as as your as what you're doing right now? You know, I think it's always been in my in my heart. It's just really kind of who I am. Uh, when I was a coach, uh, you, a swimming coach, you're constantly motivational speaking. Um, you're really working on helping young people to discover what's really inside of them. And I think that's really the core of the answer to your question is that I have a passion for helping people and teams discover that they have more in them than he ever dreamed of. I, I, I truly believe there are no overachievers. We, ha- we all have we're all underachievers. And, and the fun in life for me has been about trying to help people discover those parts of them that they doubt, to, to start to believe in themselves a little more uh, completely, to believe in one another more completely. So coaching was the first step in doing that, more on a uh, an individual and uh, young people basis. Um, when I went into the corporate world, I've, I started to discover the same things I'd done as a swimming coach were just as important in the corporate world. We needed to break through silos and work together. We needed people to really support each other and lift each other. So um, I actually started doing team building events in my own company when I became vice president um, to kind of get us to really turn that corner of the way we worked. And 
we had an enormous transformation. And so uh, at the peak of that, when our company was doing extraordinarily well, we were a large company, we had grown ex- ex- just amazingly quickly after being in business a long time. I said to my wife, Carol, hey, hun, we're doing great. Let's quit. I want to go do this. This is what I was put on earth to do. And, and so uh, that was 25 years ago. And I've just loved doing this work. It's really what I was put on this earth to do. Well, that's awesome. I mean, your enthusiasm is clear from your voice. And I, I know, you know, seeing you in person uh, as a speaker is it's a really inspiring thing. You mentioned that um, there are no overachievers, which is, I don't hear that very often. And I know it's the title of your new book that's coming out in March. Can you tell us a little bit of what what is behind that statement? There are no overachievers, because you're kind of flying in the face of of a lot of the kind of common wisdom that we hear so often. Well, it comes down to a couple things is that I, I think that in our in our culture, we are constantly being programmed and conditioned to look at our weaknesses and our faults, to look at our our shortcomings, to look at what we can't do. Um, and the whole premise of this book is to begin to focus more on what we want and what's possible and shift from, oh, I don't think I can to what if I could, or maybe I can. Um, it's about really understanding that in moments we may reach that part, that reach closer to who we really are. Uh, I, I saw this as, a, as an athletic coach. I saw it in business. I've seen it uh, as a speaker that when people really understand that fears, obstacles, habits, or doubts um, are are there to be broken through, that we can break through them, then we can really start to unleash more of what's inside of us. Um, it really comes from a, a foundational belief that we have a tremendous amount of possibility inside of us um, that that we we often leave untapped. Um, I, I got the, the line, there are no overachievers, from my real mentor, who was the greatest athletic coach of all time, in my opinion. His name was John Wooden, the great basketball coach of UCLA, an even better person than he was a coach, incidentally, for those who don't care a hoot about sports. Um, but John Wooden, a very practical, um, highly respected man, often said that, that, that very statement, there are no overachievers. If we discovered what we really were given inside of us, we would be uh, amazed. And so whether it's true or not, Ursula, it's a wonderful way to believe because it means you're always looking to bring out the best in others. It means you're always looking to, to elevate yourself, that you can always learn and find new things. Um, and it comes from a foundational belief that we can change. Uh, I think that as soon as you think you can't change, you won't. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think one of the things that you um, talk about in the book is really believing in other people and how that really brings out the best in them. And that I, I know from stories I've heard you tell about your, your swim coach days that that really has been the case all through your career. It really is. I, I, I have one of my favorite stories about a red-haired, little red-haired girl that I coached for almost eight years. Her name was Allison. And Truly, for the longest time, I, I just thought she was a wonderful, wonderful young lady. Um, but I thought you know, she was just not a star. She would never be a star. And she had a transformational experience uh, in the pool um, that completely shook shook my belief in and what kind of a coach I'd been because I had thought you know she's gonna she's this is kind of her level you know she's kind of there at the in the middle but she doesn't have that greatness in her and when she. Ex- 
just completely exceeded everyone's expectations, including her own, through um, really kind of my stumbling into, instead of saying to her, focusing her attention on what she couldn't do and what was, you know, I used to say to her all the time, one of these days, Allison, you're not going to die because she kept ending up her races, falling apart in the last 25 meters. And one day instead, I just said, hey, why don't you finish like you did your warm up sprint to get her to focus on what she wanted instead of what she didn't want. And it was absolutely, I'm getting chills talking about it. And this was 35 years ago. She, she exploded to the finish. Uh, like, like I couldn't believe. And it really opened my eyes to thinking to myself, how many other Allison's have I coached backwards? How many, every, if she has this in her, we all have us in it, ha- have it inside of us. And so it really was a, a transformational. Yes. That, and, and whenever you help, whenever you seek to help and, and to enrich another person's experience, the truth is you can't help but enrich your own. It causes you to change, you to grow, you to look for things that you were completely missing before, you to try approaches and flexibly adjust your your approach as a coach that you had never done before. So that's one of the, the hidden gifts of really believing that you can help people to develop and, and to really have impact on them because as soon as you seek to do that, you can't help but impact yourself. Well, one of the things that uh, you talk about that's related to that is this habit of enhanced energy. Can you talk about that and and how how does that play out in in uh, people's work and lives? Oh, that is just a huge, huge piece there. Um, first of all, so much so much of what I'm teaching is that we have choices, um, and places where we often have been conditioned to think we don't have a choice, and one of those is energy. Uh, most of us think of our own energy in kind of the same way we kind of think about the weather. It's kind of like, you know, hope the weather stays nice through the holiday season so the roads are good. Hope, you know, the weather's really nice when we go away for the weekend. Isn't that the way a lot of us sometimes think about our energy? Hope I can make it through this crazy week. Hope I can make it through those six meetings today. You know, hope when I get home, I can keep my eyes open. But here's a, a, an absolutely freeing belief, and that is, is that your energy is nothing like the weather. Your energy is a matter of choice. And when you understand first that it is a choice, and then far more importantly, how to cultivate a consistently better energy choice, watch out. Because why is energy so important? Well, there's two reasons. The first uh, allows me to introduce a word that you're familiar with, having read my book. Um, it's a, my favorite word. It's a great word to say. It's called woo, W-O-O. And the woo is the window of opportunity. Um, and I believe that every one of us shares the most important oppor- window of opportunity, the most important woo right now. And that is, it's every precious moment. Uh, see, you never know if the next person you're going to meet today may become your lifelong friend as you didn't know it when you met your lifelong friend. Uh, you never know if the next thought you have may completely redirect the trajectory of your life or your career. Uh, you never know if the next kind word you say to a person or, or the praise you give to someone at that moment may be so pivotal for them that it completely changes their life. See, the question is not, is there a woo? There is. The question you got to ask yourself to shake it up and to really change your life is how many of those puppies have we missed? All right. And how and why do we miss them? And so the first reason why energy is so important is energy helps you seize more woos. You know, Ursula, you know this. When, when you have higher energy, don't you feel like you look more for possibility than limit? Uh, doesn't it feel like when you have more energy, you're more alert to 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 those opportunities? 
So the first reason why your energy is so crucial is it puts you in a position to seize those windows of opportunity that are always there. The second reason and why this is so crucial to understand that your energy is a choice, this is foundational to everything I teach, and that is to everyone we touch, to our children, to our customers, to our teammates, to anyone that we care about having a major positive impact on our life, our energy is our example. In other words, people won't remember that much of what you say, no matter how well you say it but they'll never forget your energy. They get your energy over the phone. They've never seen your face. They get your energy the way you send emails. To me, email doesn't stand for electronic mail. stands for energy mail. And so here's the key. The easiest way to look at energy in a practical sense is to look at your energy on a 10-point scale with one being comatose. And 10, when you've been at absolutely your best. 10 is a child on Christmas morning. 10 is when you've you've exceeded your expectations and really, really brought yourself to your highest level. And so here's the billion dollar question. When you think about that 10 point energy scale from one to 10, where have you been living your life? Whoa, that's a great question. You've been living at level six, seven, eight. And as you rise on that 10 point scale, your life will rise with it. Yeah. And so many of us are kind of humming along in the middle there somewhere, I think, (laughs) especially because we tend to think about it as the weather. That's a great analogy. That's something that's at least somewhat out of our control. Um, So how can you how can you build your energy or keep your energy at a higher level? Are there practical things people can do? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are a few simple keys to elevating your energy consistently. The first and the fastest and the easiest is to change the way you move. Uh, Our energy is created by the way that you move. If everybody watching or listening to this podcast right now would sit up really tall, make your backbone straighten up, uh, lift your head up, open your eyes wide, put a big goofy grin on your face. Come on, grin more. Goofy grin. Uh, Immediately just yeah, as soon as you do it, if you think of again on that practical 10-point scale, as soon as you change your movement, you open your eyes wider, you smile even though you may not feel like smiling, your energy rises at least a point on that 10-point scale. Um, and so understanding that to our movement creates our energy. Energy is created by the way that you move. I'll bet you, I, I'll bet you Ursula, that everyone who is uh, enjoying this podcast knows somebody who amazes you. Because at a very advanced age, that person has amazing energy. Uh, And though I don't know who each person is thinking of, I know something about them. They keep moving. We don't get older. We just stop moving. So the first key to elevating your energy is to focus on your movement Um, in a a working day. That's why I'm so I love the idea of the stand up desk this day. It's a it's a brilliant, a brilliant innovation. Um, If you don't have a stand up desk, get up and move around, get a headset for your important phone calls. Um, You can change. See what your energy, what your movement patterns are right now are simply habits. So what you've got to do if you really want to elevate your energy as a first step is to change that habit. Focus on and, – and for about two weeks, it'll feel re- very weird as you elevate your movement. You add movement to your to, – you know, add a little bit of spark to your step. You, put, you smile more often. You sit up more often. Um, after about two weeks, it'll begin to feel a little bit weird to go back. Uh, after three weeks, it'll feel very strange to go back. After a month, you won't go back. 
Um, I know I've lived this. I've, ex- I've changed my movement level from when I, surprisingly, when I was an athletic coach, my movement was terrible and I was heavier. I was out of shape. Um, and I, I really didn't understand. I was exhausted at the end of my days. And today, you know, at 107, I have amazing energy. I just keep on going. So number one, change the way you move. The second and most important key to energy is to live with purpose. Um, Have you ever noticed that when you're filled with purpose, it doesn't matter how much sleep you had, doesn't matter how you've been feeling. When you are, are doing the things you love to do, when you've crossed that line and said, I'm not putting this off another minute, I'm getting it done now. Uh, when you are absolutely in that flow, energy is no problem. So when you can really zero in and spend time and focus on what am I here for? What do I love to do? You know, I, I, Ursula, when I'm on stage, when I'm doing my speaking, uh, it doesn't matter how many flights I've had. I did 20 events in 35 days uh, just a little while ago, you know, from one part of the country to the other part of the country, all over the place. When I was on stage... I absolutely felt level 10 because I was doing this work that I love to do. So identifying and really focusing in on your, your purpose every day. I'll give people a very simple, practical way to begin that process. And that is every morning when you wake up, every night before you go to sleep, ask yourself this wonderful purpose-finding question, which is, what am I truly grateful about in my life right now? What am I truly grateful about? What you're grateful about will zero you in on priorities. Priorities focused on consistently lead to purpose. So step one to changing your energy, change the way you move. Step two, consistently remember to focus on your purpose. Uh, And third is something we just did actually, and it's a way to adjust towards purpose. Ask better questions. Instead of why, you know, why you can't, what if I could um, at, change those questions about what's and moving towards possibility questions and immediately you ignite energy. And that's a great way to help other people develop energy is to ask them great questions. I totally agree with you. I actually just wrote a blog post about that because it's so easy for us to lapse into asking others or ourselves these sort of very mundane questions. And when you start to ask good questions, you really start thinking in a different way, which is great. And just to build on what you said about purpose, the, the, as you know, the topic of the, the podcast is impact, which I think of as even bigger than purpose in the sense that purpose can be self-focused. But impact really extends beyond that and moves into how are you contributing or making a difference with other people, either in your business or community or the larger world. How do you see what you do, Brian, as, as impacting your, your clients and the people that you work with? Well, you know, I, I, I absolutely love what I do. And, and the reason I love it is kind of interesting because um, when I first started as a speaker, as with most speakers, I was really driven by the need for approval. Um, I wanted people to love me. That's what speakers generally want. And the truth was it was exhausting Um, because what would happen is I'd have 100 people in an event. 99 would say, incredible, changed my life. Wow. And one would say, it was pretty good. And the one pretty good was like somebody taking a sword and jamming it right through me, you know, that and I was actually looking for that one as if to say, because when you're driven by the need for approval, you'll never get it. 
It's, it's not there. You're always worrying about what's going to come next. And so what transformed for me was a real simple thing. I moved one day from this incredible, exhausting desire to be the best to a, a absolutely freeing desire to simply move towards being my best. To move from the best to my best changed my life. It, let, it allowed me to let go of the need for external approval. Um, and because of that, though I love the fact that what my events do is allows people to see their possibilities in themselves, the work I do my work because when I'm doing it, I feel like I'm closest to who I want to be. I don't do it for the external approval. I love the impact, but my what makes my kind of speaking unusual is most speakers truly are are in are trying to become the star. Um, what I want to do is have everyone in the audience become their own star to see the stars that that they already are. Um, I want them to emerge. You know, if they don't remember my name, I don't care if they really remember their possibilities. If they if they come out really with a sense of fresh possibility, a fresh of inspiration, uh, a real sense of fresh inspiration, uh, some practical, simple um, principles they can put to work right away in every element, every area of their life. That's the impact that I'm going for. And what I love is, is that um, that kind of impact um, is about helping them discover that they have choices in key areas. They have a choice about their energy. They have a choice about how they use their vision, whether to focus on what they want or what they don't want. Um, and what's kind of unique about my speaking is even though almost every event I've done of the 1600 events is for some business or association, uh, some schools, but mainly in the business arena, I'm also just my my stories, my work is every bit as much about each person as a person, about their family, about their their relationships, about their health, because my belief is is that we're one person, and if someone can become inspired, focused, um, accelerating in their life because they want to be a better father or a better mom, they want to they want to take better care of their health, they want to accelerate their energy, that's going to have beautiful ramifications in every quadrant of their life as they become more energized in their personal life guess what that energy is going to rub off in their in their uh, in their professional life as they become more present with others in their personal life they're going to be more present with their customers and their teammates um, as they become more humble and hum humility to me means I always want to learn it's not a false aw shucks kind of thing humility is there's so much to learn. There's every day I can get better because there's so many more new ideas to tap into. Everyone's got a gift. Um, I want to learn from everyone's gifts. Um, so what kind of creates the impact for me, it's on the total person so that it has a, a, an opportunity to affect every quadrant of their life. That's great. I, I, do you feel that that shifts things within companies and even in the larger world? I mean, as it's affecting the individuals that you're connecting with when you speak? Yeah, I love the word shift. I, I kind of see myself as a cultural shifter. Um, you know, in, in my work, I talk a lot about breaking through that we're, that, and that everyone is a leader. Um, and that kind of goes against the grain either because we're, we've been, you know, also we've been taught that, you know, there's leaders and followers. Everyone is a leader. We are all breakthrough leaders. We are born the CEO of our own life. Eventually, we step into those shoes. And I mean, leadership is not about 
a position or a title. Leadership is about making decisions. Every decision we make is an act of our personal leadership. How do you show up every day? Um, do you lift the people around you through your presence? Um, do you look for the best in other people? Um, leadership is really about the choices we make. And so to me, breakthrough leadership is about shaping the future. And that's about vision. It's about energizing and engaging yourself and your team. Because remember, to everyone we touch, our energy is our example. All right? And as we lift our own energy, it's contagious. It lifts others through something called the Pygmalion effect. Third, it's about building people, building teams, and building relationships. And here's why this impact is so crucial in organizations. Every business is a people business. Uh, in some way, you may think that I have created a business that absolutely has nothing to do with people. No, you do. Eventually, it affects people. You have customers, they're human beings. Um, without customers, there's not a business. Um, if you make something, that's going to affect people. Um, we're all in the people business. So how do you build people, build teams, and build relationships? When you do those three consistently, and it's a, these are the cornerstones of what I teach, shaping the future, energizing, and engaging yourself and your team, building people, teams, and build relationships, you're going to create breakthrough results. And what a breakthrough result is, is doing things you didn't know you could do when you woke up this morning, is doing things you've done in a certain way before differently and better, faster, more meaningfully, um, with more passion. And so the question, does this affect organizations? Absolutely. Um, because every one of us at any moment could be that, that key leader who impacts someone who affects someone else who affects someone else and starts that ripple effect and pretty soon if we're all pulling together in those three areas we have created a cultural shift in our organization and no question you know this um, very much Ursula is that it's a culture of an organization that's way more important ultimately than the strategies I, you know if people feel they can they can I look at Southwest Airlines I've spoken for them a couple of different times here's a company whose culture is based on a totally unusual business concept called fun. Fun is their number one value. So it's the only company out of thousands I've, I've worked with where fun is not only a value, it's the number one value. And it's no coincidence with that value driving their culture that they have absolutely dominated their industry coming from a little Who's a little company started 45 years ago that people say who's they'll never make it to constantly being number one in their industry. Um, so does culture make a difference? Does focus make a difference? Do people make a difference? Absolutely. Yeah. And Southwest continues to perform well, even when there's been downturns, 9-11 uh, situations that have come up in the industry, they've continued to shine even through that. So just highlights what you're saying about culture being so being so crucial. Is, is there, uh, you mentioned uh, Southwest having this value of fun. How have you brought your own values into your business? What are, what are some beliefs and values that have really affected how you market or how you work with your team members? Um, are, there, are there ways that you've really infused your values into what you do? Oh, absolutely. Um, a, a, a lot of different areas. Um, number one, again, comes back to that sense of, you know, my values are that everyone has something remarkable inside of them. So when I look out at an audience, when I'm working with an organization, I'm looking for that. 
Um, I'm seeing that's a, that's a cornerstone value that every if I if I could get everyone in the audience to come up on the stage and overcome of their fear of speaking in front of a big group of people and really tell some of the stories from their life, every one of them could absolutely awe us, wow us, touch our hearts, touch our touch our spirits. So the number one value, this belief in people, you know, absolutely permeates everything I do. Um, I think another another key is that we is this idea of choice is that we have choices in areas where we've been conditioned to think we don't about energy um, about about vision and we've all many of us have been taught well there's visionaries and then there's the rest of us everyone has a vision and what you focus on is what you create and so we all have the ability to focus we all have the ability to change our focus so if we can help people to more often focus on what they want as opposed to what they don't want, to focus on the breakthrough instead of the obstacle. All right? You see the obstacle. You don't pretend it's not there. But then you focus on the solution. You focus on what's on the other side. Then we, have, we are really moving, our, moving in a direction towards, towards innovation, towards, um, to, towards fresh performance. Um, also, I, I have a, you know, I'm, my number one priority is my family. And so that value valuing the idea of families and teams is a, a cornerstone that's built into everything I do. I, I will really believe that we um, are at our best when we are a part of a team, when we, um, when we really have a desire to lift others and to, to believe that we have the, uh, the together, together we can create much more than separately. Um, and the silos are, are, are such a uh, a blockage to productivity, to to fun, to progress, and that we can break through those. That we honor and value differences. Differences are great. I don't want to have a team of people that sees everything I see, and that's all they see because we won't see very much. I want the people to see the things that I miss. I want people around me who have passions and talents in areas that I'm, I'm not that talented and passionate about. Because when we merge those talents and passions, we can create an amazing level of synergy. So those values are really, really key in everything that I do. Well, you've talked a lot about choices and our ability to make choices. And one of the things that I'm starting to have conversations with uh, people around this topic of impact is what if you... What choices have you had to make? What have you had to give up in order to have the impact that you have? Because I, I think sometimes we get so fired up about what we do that everything seems possible, but it, and, and that is actually true, but um, we eventually have to make choices about where we spend our time, our energy, our put our focus. So what are, what are some of the w things that you, you feel you've had to give up or to to move away from in order to have the impact that you have? Well, uh, we talked about one of them. I'm going to give you three, uh, but I want to reiterate one because it's so important. That is, I had to give up the need for approval, of external pr approval. Um, again, when you need approval from outside to, to give yourself value, you put yourself at the effect of your life and not the cause. And that's that really takes away from your ability to do things for for the for to give rather than to get, um, when you need uh, external approval to make sure you're okay, um, what happens is is that you're never good enough to be okay. So what I had to give up was that 
that sense that I was only valuable if others saw me that way to really um, accepting myself. You know, you know, no one can be loved until they let themselves be seen. No one can be seen until they learn to love themselves. So I had to really learn to let go of that external need for approval. Uh, a second area that I really had to, ch- to change my focus on um, was self-promotion. You know, here I'm a professional speaker and an author. Um, you know, if you're not promoting very well, you're probably not going to have much of a business. Um, but it's really against the grain of who I am. I, I don't like to toot my own horn. It's not my, I'm not very good at it. Um, I, I, I've learned how to do it, but I don't like to do it. So I had to to give up the way I was looking at self-promotion and find a way uh, to promote the work I do in a way that felt authentic, that felt fun, that felt, um, that felt in alignment uh, with who I am. Um, and really what that was, was I, I still don't toot my own horn. My whole promotion is built upon, um, about, upon testimonials from others. Because I figure, you know, someone who's looking to hire me as a speaker you know, I, if I tell them I'm wonderful, they're going to go, well, of course you're going to tell me I'm wonderful. But I, I would rather have them connect with people who have been in the exact same position they've been in and looking for someone to come in and work with their organization to give them, you know, the straight, the straight skinny. How did he do? What did he do? How did it impact the people? So I had to find a way that was authentic, that felt, um, that felt good to self-promote. Um, the third area is follow up. Um, I'm a live event guy. I love to to come in and and affect an organization um, by by creating that catalytic energy of a live event. There's nothing like it. It's it's it, it's something that really causes people to walk in at, at eight o'clock in the morning and leave at ten or twelve or whenever they leave ignited beyond anything you can do in any other way. But then the question is, how do you keep it going? For my customers, it's how do we keep this these fresh, this fresh energy, this fresh inspiration, this motivation? How do we keep it going? How do we make it last? And you know, I've written eleven books, so that was intent a way to try to improve uh, follow up. But the truth is, not that many people read books cover to cover these days. Um, and the and the other fact is, when people leave an event, they go back to the real world. They're busy. Time is precious. And so I had to come up and uh, develop ways to, because uh, I don't want to give up on the idea of making it last. Um, as an athletic coach, you don't go to the gym once. All you're going to do is get sore. You got you to gotta work in and create patterns and habits. So how can I do that when I'm no longer with them as I was at the live event? And so um, it really caused me to... Um, to do something that that shook my comfort zone. Uh, I love to tell long stories. I love to tell, you know, uh, and people, uh, time is becoming more and more precious. You need to do more with less time. So uh, um, uh, working with a company that's experts in video-based learning, I developed a two and a half minute a day, 18 day video-based program, video program. I wrote the narration. Every video has a story, a message, and an action in two and a half minutes. Um, as a way to practically allow people to follow up after I work with them in the live event. And it's just been amazing. It's just been unbelievable the level of participation um, and engagement that my clients have had with this program. It's called Avenue, A-V-A-N-O-O, which means open to the now. Um, So it was giving up a comfort zone of 
only doing the live events to finding a way that stretched me. You know, I really did it this because it forced me to be shorter, to you know, to to do more in less time. And uh, by giving up those those kind of hardcore comfort zone areas that had become confinement zones, I found a way to allow people to have that um, that that follow up that allows them to to create habits that are lasting and become um, instilled in their spirits. Well, um, yeah, I mean, hearing you talk about how you're struggling with you've struggled with things that are outside of your comfort zone. Are there are there problems or barriers or obstacles that you've come up against that uh, have felt like they they keep you from having the impact that you want to have? Is is there? I always think it's helpful to hear from people about how did you move through something. It's not all about yeah, I started this business and everything went amazingly well and I haven't had any significant issues ever to deal with. It's not true. We all do. And hearing someone else's story around how they've been able to effectively move through something that's that was a real barrier can be helpful. So is there a, a situation you'd be willing to share uh, that of, of a situation you've moved through to have the impact you have? Well, yeah, I think that um, the, the probably the biggest one in my life is, is about the most important um, principle that I teach. And that is to be fully present. Um, what that means is when you're fully present, 100% of your mind, body, and spirit is with the person you're with where they are now. Uh, that's worth saying again. Being fully present means with, with other people means 100% of your mind, body, and spirit is with the person you're with where they are now. I believe in this so deeply. I believe it's the cornerstone of everything I teach because I believe that our job Every one of us, no matter what we do, um, when it comes to being what I say, as I said, we're all leaders. Our job is to help the people that we lead, to help our customers, to help our family, to help our friends, to help anyone we have contact with to know they're important, to know they're significant, to know that they matter and that they count. And the way that we do that foundationally, beyond words, is to be fully present. Now I love this so much, Ursula, that it's it's I, I, it's it's the most important stories that I tell during my programs. I believe it's the pivot point for leadership, uh, and and yet I was not present in my own family in my own life uh, when my kids were real young. Uh, I was so focused on trying to build my business. I was so focused on everything else, you know, where I was flying to next. That I was I was not present when I was home. I wasn't home. Uh, and it wasn't the fact that I was on the road a lot. It was in the times that I was home, I wasn't there. And um, I had a uh, an epiphany, uh, and it was an epiphany that that radically changed my life. And um, it was a gift from my two children. Um, when they were eight and three, one evening, um, after another day of my missing out on having dinner with them, another night, of, another morning where I didn't take them to school, uh, where I didn't, I wasn't there to take them to dance, even though I had moved my office into my home to be present. I was not present. I was on the phone all the time. Um, they walked into my office right before they went to sleep, and I was just about to pick up the phone. And they ran up to me, and Kelsey was eight, and Jenna was three. And Jenna climbed up in my lap, kind of like kind of nosing her way up under my arm like a great, uh, you know, like a, a great golden retriever when they really want to get petted. Uh, she jumped up into my lap. Kelsey wrapped her arm around me. They looked at me 
And they said, Daddy, before we go to sleep, we just want to ask you something. And I said, well, what is it, girls? And they said, Daddy, we just wanted to know before we go to sleep tonight, do you love your phone more than you love us? Oh, my gosh. My heart was broken. Uh, You know, Emerson said, you know, what you do scream so loudly, I can't hear a word you're saying. And the truth to their, the truthful answer to their question was, I was living my life in such a way, being so never present, that my phone was more important than my daughter's. Well, that was an epiphany. That changed my life. And uh, I tucked them in that night. I was the one who, from that day forward, took them to school. I, the only time I didn't was when I was on the road. Um, and the beautiful thing about being fully present is you can't fake it. You know, people know when you're fully there. They know over the phone when you're fully there. And whenever you are fully present, you say to that person beyond words, you are important. You matter. You count. And whenever you're not present, you speak louder. And up until that day, what my daughters were getting from my lack of present was, I guess my daddy just doesn't care that much about me. Now, that extended into my work. That extended. So being fully present is also the secret to balance. Most people look at balance and immediately think of time. Having equal time means balance. Well, you know as well as I do, Ursula, we're not going to have equal time. You know, the world, there's just 24 hours in a day. You're not going to have equal time. But five minutes of being present with someone, fully present, is worth five years of faking it. When you're more present in your tasks, you get more done in less time and create more space. Um, So being fully present was the area that I had so much passion for, but I wasn't living it. I was talking the talk, but not walking the talk. Uh, from that day forward, my goal in life is to been, has been to be fully present in every precious woo. Because when you're not present, you miss the window of opportunity. And uh, I think that that has had the greatest impact on my speaking, has my, had my greatest impact on my family, has had my greatest impact on on the impact that I can then give to people. Um, if When it's all said and done, if people say, you know, when he was with you, he was really with you, then I have done what I came here to do. Yeah, that is a really powerful experience to be in the presence of someone who is absolutely there and and present to what you're saying and the conversation you're having and, and even just being in the same space. So, um, yeah. I, is there... Uh, piece of advice or um, an insight that you would share with another business owner who's asking themselves, how can I have impact? How can I positively affect the world around me? What would you share with them? Well, um, I, I have a few, a few things that I would love to share with them. First, it's a recipe to really, really build trust uh, in your organization and your relationships. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a really wonderful recipe to uh, ignite momentum in an organization. Uh, it's, an, it's most of all a recipe for a great life, a happy life. And it is simply this, be easy to impress and hard to offend. Let me say it again, be easy to impress, but hard to offend. When you're easy to impress, what that means is you're interested in people. You're looking for their talents. You're, ex- you're enjoying their, their quality. You're enjoying their, uh, their efforts. 
um, you're really opening your eyes to what's good, to what's right, to catching people doing things right. It doesn't mean you're a pushover. It doesn't mean that you know you're just you're 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 flaky or something because you get impressed easily. It means you are you really care. You're interested and you have joy, and it, it immediately endears you to people. People love it when you're interested in them. People love it when you ask questions to them and really, really care about what their answers are. So the easy to impress part is to bring yourself the joy and also ignite that joy in other people. The hard to offend, oh, that's a great one. Um, because so much energy, so much productivity is lost because of the times we take things personal, because of the places we get defensive. Um, in the book, I tell the story of, uh, uh, in the brand new book, There Are No Overachievers, I tell the story of uh, somebody I think is a wonderful example of that from sport, and that was the great golfer Jack Nicholas. Um, when he came up, for those, whether you love sport or not, this is a wonderful story of, of really the power of being hard to offend. When Jack Nicholas first broke onto the scene as a young man, he was detested by so much of the public because he had the audacity to beat Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer was the king. He was like so charismatic and people loved him. He was a great guy. Um, but immediately, Jack Nicholas, this young guy, he was a little heavier. He had a butch haircut um, and he was beating Arnold Palmer. And people saw he was a bad guy. He was, but Jack Nicholas never, ever, ever allowed himself um, to be offended. He, he was hard to offend. He was a gentleman. He was a great competitor, but he was a, a, just the most gracious person, whether he won or whether he lost. And over time, what transformed um, and transpired because of his lack, of, his, because of his, his just absolute uh, um, difficulty, he was difficult to offend. At first, people grudgingly said, well, he's a good golfer. And then they started to say, you know, he's a pretty neat guy. Today, he is revered as being one of the great people in, in our society for being someone who is humble, kind, thoughtful, um, who has done great things with his life, who lifts people because he never allowed himself to be offended. Uh, if there was one thing I would change in my own life, it was the times I got defensive and, and took offense when I could have just asked myself, what else could this mean? You know, as soon as you ask, what else this, could this mean? You realize, hey, you know, it may not be about something you did. It may not be about you. They may have just been having a hard day. They may have just, maybe I just, uh, it was a miscommunication. Um, maybe I just don't understand something that's important to un understand. So be easy to impress and hard to offend. That's number one of advice I would give because it really frees up people. Two, be a blame buster. Blame is the single most destructive word in the language of effective businesses, teams, and families. And a real practical reason why. Uh, Ursula, when you think about blame in the context of time, is blame about the past, the present, or the future? Hmm. The, well, the past, I guess. That's right. Blame is always about the past. Now, I'm not saying that we don't screw up. I'm not saying we don't make mistakes. But whenever you emerge, you submerge yourself in blame, you put yourself in the past. Can you do anything about the past? No, it's done. So when you get stuck in blame, you stick yourself in the past where there is no constructive, productive opportunity. So a blame buster changes that dynamic very simply. Instead of blaming people, says, what happened? 
What can we learn? What are we going to do now? So when you break through blame, what you do is you move towards construction rather than destruction. Um, and blame bust because when you create an atmosphere where there's blame, people feel like that old carnival game called whack-a-mole. You remember whack-a-mole where the, you got this rubber mallet and the mole pops its head up and you're supposed to whack it with it? Well, that's the way people feel in an organization where there's a lot of blame. I'm not sticking my head out because it hurts. I'm going to get uh, – there's too much chance of getting blamed. When you become a blame buster, you free people up to make new choices, to take a, take a good risk, to venture out, to innovate, you know, because they know that, hey, if it works, fantastic. If it doesn't work, it's just an opportunity to learn. So you want to be a great leader, want to build a great organization, be a blame buster. Take it out of the past, put it in the now. Third, what we just talked about, really, really focus on being fully present with people. When you're with them, put down the phone, all right? Ask instead of tell and then listen to what they're going to say rather than formulating what you're going to say next. That'll come. But first, really listen to them. You know, give people the precious present, and that is your presence. You do those three things, you're going to create an organization. You're going to create uh, relationships that absolutely soar. Well, Brian, you've uh, uh, once again kind of blown me away with your uh, with your energy and with the ideas that you really bring to the work that you're doing and the impact that you're having in the world. Um, I, I love what you've talked about in terms of uh, being a cultural shifter and how everyone has the opportunity to be a leader in that sense and to really um, make changes and and uh, and, and make choices that really support something constructive within their companies and, and other parts of their lives. So thank you so much for joining us today. I, I really appreciate the work you're doing and uh, the way you bring yourself to the world. Thank you, Ursula. Likewise, right back at you. So if people want to get in touch with you, Brian, what's the best way for them to reach you? Um, well, my website is, is a real easy way and you can c contact me via email from there. It's just, uh, it's just my name, brianbyro.com. And it's, uh, it's harder to say, if you say it three times fast, you get the addiction award, but it's brianbyro, B-R-I-A-N-B-I-R-O.com. And that's got all kinds of info on it. And, uh, I love it when people reach out to me. Um, as I say, I, I feel like I'm doing the work I was put on this earth to do, um, I love being called the breakthrough coach because, um, you know, the fun part, we didn't really get into it, but I love to get people off the sidelines and into the game when they're in my, my presentation. So people um, aren't just listening, they're doing things and it's so much fun. And I think it has greater adhesion when you, when you really participate and are engaged in, in fun ways and surprising and delightful ways. So uh, love people to go to my website and uh, that's got the, in, and that gives you all the contact information as well. That's awesome. Thank you, Brian. So join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, to keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com. <laughs>